Welcome to that weekend feeling with Darren Mann. It is that weekend feeling with Darren Mann, and today we're catching up with an interesting guy. He's got a long-time career in radio behind him, but he's now a first-time author. He's just brought out a book which is called The Cruel and Beautiful World of Radio. Many years in uh, the Cape Town radio market, and he spent years as the Algoa FM program manager in the Eastern Cape as well. Bader Adams, what a pleasure. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for, for calling me, man. It's nice to chat to you, Darren. Yeah, always a pleasure. Good to catch up after all this time. <laughs> First time author. How long did you think about this book before you turned it into reality? Wow, dude, it's been it's been a long time coming. I think I've been I've been thinking about it for over a couple of years. And um, a quick story. I uh, I started on it, and you know how these things work. You start typing, you leave it, and then two weeks later you start typing and you leave it, whatever. And then I met a guy who's a Capetonian author called Yusuf Daniels. Um, but funny enough, I met him in PE once. And then him and I started chatting, and he's, I said to him, oh, I'm also busy writing. And he said, so said no, I'm, not, I'm just busy. And he says, like, you're making excuses, dude. So I'm like, no, 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 but like, I'm busy doing this, and I'm busy doing that. And he's like, you're making excuses. And eventually, after the third or the fourth time, I conceded. I was like, okay, he's right. Um, and then the, the, the evening, I got home, and I started typing again. And um, someone asked me how long it took me to write it. And I said, from beginning to end, until having the book in my hand, 10 months. And apparently, it takes something between 18 to 24 months to, to write the book. So I was really chuffed about that, too. <laughs> You're ahead of the curve. <laughs> I, I was, but I think it was easier for me because I was writing from the heart. I was writing from the heart. I was writing stories. I was uh, relaying things that happened before. Um, and yeah, I mean, we'll obviously talk about the book, but it's a lot of it has got to do with advice and opinions, you know. But uh, I just kept on typing and writing and putting it away. And then eventually when I got to the stage, I'm like, whoa, this is actually turning into a formidable piece. I would move things around. Okay, this fits there. Maybe take this out. This doubles up. And next thing I pass it on, and now I'm a full-blown author. <laughs> you, you are indeed. Now tell us about the book. From, from what I can make out, it's not necessarily an autobiography of just your radio career, but you're offering uh, thoughts, advice, comments on the radio industry and new entrants into the market in general. That's, that's generally what it is. And I think the, the opinions are, are, for me, are, are the important ones. So besides relaying stories, and they're cool stories, some of them funny, some of them serious, some of them are sad. Um, but the opinion pieces are mine that, I, that, I, that I'm really chuffed about or excited about because I'm, very, I'm giving my value and my input, which I feel, and I mean, you can obviously relate to this. Working in our, in our industry, many times you come up with ideas and opinions and advice and like, yeah, I know. And then it just goes wayside. And then you're like, this could have been such a cool thing, man. Come on. Um, yeah, and, 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 and the advice to uh, first-time uh, radio people or newbies or uh, um, students who are learning journalism, media, broadcasting, radio. Funny enough, I was actually at Salamosh. I did a guest lecture there for the honor students, uh, journalism students, and I've had nice feedback from them. And I've already been having questions. Don't you want to help me with this? And don't you want to help me with that? But um, I think it's important for us to, to, to pass on our experience and our knowledge, to, especially the youth. Darren, and I think a lot of these kids they just they follow what everybody else is doing they hear what guys are doing on air and that's it there's no one giving them the proper experience no one's giving them the proper advice um, going through things to be able to become a good uh, presenter so definitely for everybody but uh, I think it's also aimed mostly at tertiary institutions where there are sometimes there's like you know, factors 1 to 20 on how to do this or how to do that which you can just go back to to read again yeah but even beyond that, I'm thinking about it now. When I entered the radio industry, uh, there's a lot of information I wish 
uh, I had then, which I do now. We knew nothing about yeah. how, what typical contracts uh, looked like, yeah. what the terms were, how they operated, how you should approach certain problems, how you should approach certain situations. You didn't know what a typical uh, reasonable pay scale was. There's so much yeah. that we didn't know going into it that we had to learn as we went along. And uh, I'm really surprised that there aren't more books like this um, around to educate uh, the novices in the radio industry. That's true. And I mean, when I started doing research, I couldn't find any. Um, the closest I came was a professor at the UCT, but she was writing sort of a thesis on um, community radio, the impact community radio has. And I mean, I tackle a lot of community radio issues in the book as well, because there's, there's a place for everybody. You know, there's a place for the, for the online stations. There's a place for events radio. There's a place for um, what do they call retail radio, you know, the Ackermans and those mm. type of places. And then commercial and community and then an SCBC type station. So there's a place for everybody. Uh, and again, as you were saying, the, that is the kind of thing I felt was missing. So besides my experiences and my stories, there's, there's a lot of teaching in this book that you can reference and, and go back to. Um, and in the book, if I may, I mean, in the book, one of the things that's probably controversial, but it's my story, so I don't really care what people think, it's what's, what's happened to me, is I, I tackle the issue of the system. The system in which these radio stations are built on, these commercial radio stations, where you as a presenter, as you rightfully said, you don't know what your pay scale is, but there isn't a pay scale. I can pay Darren a million rand a month and I can pay Bailey 10 rand a month and I'm going to be okay to take it because it's my break into the big radio station. Um, when, when I looked at, at contracts, for example, as a freelance contractor, we all know, you would, would know, if you are not in, no work, no pay. So now all of a sudden, you've got a small operation, it takes you two weeks out of your time. For two weeks, you don't get paid. But you've got to pay the hospital for the for the for the for the week that you were there, you know, stuff like that. And I mean, sad stories and true stories. And I've seen it, and I've also experienced it, even as a program manager. It was part of my job. Where whatever the case may be, and this is where it's 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 a thin line. So whatever the case may be, whether it's controversial, whether it's in your contract, whether you've messed up, whatever the case may be, if I need to let somebody go, or the the, the management team needs to let somebody go, they will let you go, irrespective of what the contract says. And that's what I had a problem with. I have friends would walk past and they've just completed their show and they're like I'll be back tomorrow catch you again whatever and they'll go like uh, Jason just have a seat and Jason's there as a seat and I'm like uh, um, that's your last show what do you mean no you need, you need to come back tomorrow and now it's in the middle of the month and then the station decides to give you the balance of your money for the month and then you go. Um, and I genuinely have a problem with that. And I don't know what the answer is. I'm jumping the gun here. But I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what the solution is, Darren. But I'm, what I'm saying is I need to highlight these things because I have a problem with the way in which the system is built. Yeah, look, I'm biting my tongue given my own personal circumstances. <laughs> <laughs> but the focus is on you and your book, yeah, uh, baby. Yeah. The Cruel yeah. and Beautiful World of Radio. Why did you end up selecting that as the title? Um, I, I think also just for 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 um, listeners' um, perspective, the word the words and the ampersand and beautiful and beautiful is written small. Yeah. All the other letters are in capitals and they're all in white. And beautiful is in blue. So if you're looking at it from a distance, it looks like the cruel world of radio. And it's kind of what I what I what I alluded to earlier. It is just it's the industry in which we are in. It is a cruel industry as much as it's a sexy industry. And I mean, we all know when people hear you. I mean, yeah, I'm always going to use you as an example. You were the 
breakfast shows of one of the biggest stations in the country has won awards and, you know, you're a celebrity in your area. When people see you, they want to take photos and they want to chat. Oh, this one did this this morning and I laughed for this joke. And yeah, there's always that. But they don't know what's happening behind the scenes. Um, and I, I always picture this one young boy. Um, I call him a boy. I remember he's young that I used to work with. And he had to take care of his siblings because he lost his mom or his parents. And this guy lived in Utilake and had to travel to work every day. So here we're sitting, and this is now my example, we're sitting in the shiny building, which could be anywhere in the country, with modern technology and it's worth billions, and we're sitting there and we're on the same floor, but we're not on the same level. And I think people don't understand that either. So the people who are in the industry, you know, you, you can be sitting there with your four million rand house and your three cars and your jacuzzi and boat and pool. But the kid who's sitting with the guy or the youngster, whoever, sitting next to you in the next office or in the open plan office has to take two taxis and a train to work. You know, has to wake up at office four in the morning. It comes at home, comes home every night at office seven. And that's the other angle that I think that we as radio people don't talk about. We don't talk about what, what's happening inside the industry. So there's this assumption that we are all cool and we're hip and we're sexy and we're the forerunners and blah, blah, which it is very much. But let's also tackle the serious things. Let's also tackle the sad things and the reality of these things. And and uh, it's from my point of view, as a person of color, when I worked at a couple of stations and when you work at a station, for example, as the one I worked at in Cape Town, where the target market was a certain market, I didn't like the music. I hated the, the, the format. I worked it because it was my job. So a lot of these youngsters who are getting into the industry, again, I don't have the answer to this, but I'm bringing this to the fore. A lot of the, in the, the youngsters who work in the industry are like, oh my goodness, you work at, you know, Bay FM. That's really cool. Meanwhile, I don't care. I'm just working because I need to earn cash. I need to put food on the table. So, yeah. Most of your personal history has been in commercial radio in South Africa. What's your opinion of the general state of commercial radio in the country at the moment? At the moment, I think, I, I, to be honest, I, I, I don't listen to much anymore because I think they all sound the same. Um, what I do tackle in the book is uh, theatre of the mind, and you would know I'm, I'm very much a theatre of the mind. It's stupid and as mundane, as childish sometimes as it sounds. We need theatre of the mind. You need to tell people, oh my goodness, I'm sitting here in my Ninja Turtles outfit and Darren's wearing pink slippers and whatever. Automatically, it just transfers, transports people you know, mm. to a space. Mm. I think that's the one thing. I think the other thing is that we keep on doing the same thing. So, and, and I, I'm in Cape Town, for example. They are, they are, can I mention the station's names? Please yeah, do. Is it okay? Please <laughs> so, so there's KFM, there's Heart FM, there's Smile, and there's uh, Good Hope FM. And then you've got Magic, that's on AM, uh, on AM. And those are kind of the big, the big role players. But I feel like when I listen to the four big ones on FM, it sounds like they sound the same. And if I'm now station number two and I'd like to become station number one, I'm obviously going to check what station number one is doing. That's working for them. So then what do I do? I copy them. I, you know, I, I kept on, I mean, Captain is huge on mixes. So there's a mix every five minutes in this, in this place. I'm not complaining, but what I'm saying is everybody's now putting on a mix. So even though you're an adult radio station who's not necessarily catering to to groups market, so let's say groups market starts at age 15 upwards to about 30, and then the other station like a heart of him is 49, 34 to, to, to 49 and upwards, around about there, those are two different markets. But I feel, and this is my opinion, I feel like a lot of them are just copying the other. So now all of a sudden, as a dumb example, heart of him would be playing music that Good Hope FM is playing, which is not targeted to my audience. It's targeted to my kids. Mm, mm. 
Baby, your own personal career in radio, are you still dabbling in it or has that come to an end? Have you drawn a line underneath it? <laughs> I think I've drawn a line. I think I think I'm done. Um, and and from from my personal point of view, I I absolutely. I mean, you know, I love the industry. I'm passionate about it. I've always been. Um, but I think I've also got to the stage where I'm like enough now, man. Like there's more and other things you can add. There's more value you can add, you know, to your life before you close your eyes. I mean, I've started a a vodcast with a local comedian, and we're trying to get it on TV as an example. You know, um, I'm always helping where I can. If it's a community station, I could consult if I wanted to. If there's a huge offer coming from a commercial station, I'll probably take it. But I'll be very selective. I'll be like, okay, let me do this for three months or six months, and then I go back because mm -hmm. I still see myself. Uh, going back to events, I still see myself working in either tourism or in sport or a connection of the three, uh, of, three of them or, or some connect with the three of them, uh, of those industries. Um, but yeah, I think I'm done. I think, I think 27 years is a nice career span. Um, I was part of the group and so were you who's won the Station of the Year Award. This is a cool accolade to have, you know, in the industry. Sure. Um, I've come up with ideas. For me, the biggest thing as a, as a program manager was coming up with ideas and concepts, selling it to my team, obviously. They'll be like, nah, it's not going to work, whatever. Convincing them it's going to work. And then when it works, it works. And one of the projects I did, uh, it was called oh, Merry Month of March or something. But uh, the station I was at, which is Algoa, we decided to go with the um, Telegram line and not WhatsApp. And I, in my head, I'm going, okay, this competition's over five days. If we can get 10,000 um, Telegram messages in this week, I'd be happy. That's 50,000 for the week. Day one, I sat with 80,000 messages. And that's, just, that's because you had great presenters on air driving. <laughs> of course. No, of course. <laughs> but, but just, it, it's just from a personal point of view, those are the highlights for me. Those, that's what, those are things that fuel me. And I must also add, I've, I've had to unlearn a lot of things that I saw my other program managers do. I, uh, while working in commercial radio, I'm like, I'm not going to be a douchebag like this. I'm not going to, I'm going to be myself. I'm also going to allow my team to do what they need to do and within ambit and within, within law and let them be creative as well. And I think a lot of things in today's corporate world that are not just in radio is people are being ignored. We are not taking note of people who the people are. Everything, I mean, I, I was trying to get a hold of one corporate because I've got a bit of an, an issue uh, with a car hire, and there is absolutely no email address anymore. There's, I could maybe find a toll-free number, which is going to have to be on hold for 20 minutes, but you've got to fill out forms and there's bots and AI stuff, and I'm like, this is what's missing. I've got a problem here, solve my problem. So when you're sitting in that seat as a manager, you need to un you need to realize and understand that you are dealing with human beings and people here. So that's a bit of a topic, but yeah. <laughs> 100%. Listen, congratulations on uh, bringing the book out. Truly, um, a lot of people talk about these kind of things. Not many follow through. So congrats on that, Bader. Appreciate the time. His book is called The Cruel and Beautiful World of Radio. Available where, Bader? Um, I'm busy working on exclusive books, but I will be in GQ on the 2nd of September, 12 noon at the South Boulevard Cafe. I'm going to do a bit of meet and greet there with people who want to come and they can purchase the book. It's 280 bucks. Uh, the introductory price. So South Boulevard Cafe, second, it's a Saturday of September, 12 noon, I will be for there for a meet and greet. I'm just waiting on exclusive books and the other, because what, what happens is you need to furnish them a, a book, fill out forms, and then they come back and say, okay, we're cool, we, we, we want your book or we don't want your book. Once that happens, I'm going to go post with my PR, especially nationally, <laughs> and I'm going to tell people, go and get the book at exclusive books or bargain books, wherever the case may be. 
So will there be a follow-up? And uh, if, you were to do a, if you were to do a second book, what have you learned from the first one? Mistakes not to be repeated. Look, everything was a learning curve. Everything, well, if I could just give you one minute to quickly tell you one of my, my headaches. And my, my launch was at the Cullinan Hotel. It was very Rani and we all dressed up and there was a pianist playing and we had artists and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the, of the top presenters in Cape Town emceed my gig and asked me questions etc and I, I know you know Tafuma Makina he was one of the guys who asked the questions you know yeah, yeah. Bobby Brown was another guy but anyway so um, this is happening this Saturday do you know when I had the copies of my book in my hand no. Friday 4pm 4, Friday 4 PM. <laughs> pressure pressure <laughs> <laughs> so it was all of those things that, that I needed to learn I think what I can take from book one is um, I'm glad that I self-published you have to fork out a bit of cash but it also drives you to go like well I've spent X amount of money I need to sell X amount of books to break even and the rest is going to be profit so I can start you know I, I usually have to start thinking that way um, and other things I think PR for me is a big thing and this is why I'm just holding back now until the, 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 the bookstores come back to me and say yes we can if they can I'm going to go boss and I need to push it I also quickly realized I went to a lady called Fatima Saido she's huge in the Cape Flats and nationally she's a, a she does cooking she's a cookbook she's got a YouTube channel she's on TV and whatever anyway so she had her launch and they, I estimated back then there was 200 people it turned out there was 300 people and in my head it looked like there was less than 50 people in the queue buying her book and I was like uh -uh, I'm not going to do this so my event um, I had 150 people 100 were invited guests, radio people, artists, actors, you know, celebs, normal people, whatever. And then 50, I actually sold my seats. So I sold my seat to the price of the book, Darren. So wow. for, for 280 bucks, you're sitting at the seat, you're dressing up, you're meeting all these celebs, you're getting to, to ask the questions, um, you're getting canapes and, 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 and food, there's artists performing on stage, and you get a signed copy of the book. So those are one of the things that I brought in, and I'm like, it worked, because I ended up selling, I think it was 48 to 49. You know what I mean? So it guaranteed me 48 or 49 books that were sold on the day. Fantastic. Lunch is on you next time. Bader, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> Thanks, uh, congrats on the book once again and hope to catch up soon, man. Appreciate you joining us on That Weekend Feeling. Thank you so much. Have a lovely day. That was That Weekend Feeling with Darren Mann.